0: Well, this is the start of what's going to be an occasional series here in New Life. So when I say occasional, I mean, we're not going to be running this as a series week after week after week. Or even every time I'm preaching, it's going to be, there'll be a few of these dotted throughout the year. And if any of those who are down to preach have a topic they'd like to cover, just let me know and we'll put it down. And it's called, We Don't Talk About... And we're going to be looking at things in church we don't often preach on. Things we don't often cover. Mainly because they have a tendency to make us a bit uncomfortable. There may be things we don't want to confront. Things we tend to brush to one side. But things that matter that we should be talking about. And I think... For this first one, we must agree on something important first. Sin is sin. Yes? I know there's a, a creed out there nowadays that says love is love, but you know what? Sin is sin. And some sins involve an whole lifestyle. Some sins are str- extremely destructive, but sin by its very nature separates us from God. Therefore, there can be no such thing as acceptable sin. Yes? We've got to be on the same page with that. Because what we're talking about today is too often, I believe, regarded as an acceptable sin in church. But we must be very clear it is sin. It's a sin that is a problem for older people, younger people, and children. And it is a temptation that surrounds all of us. No matter who we are or how old we are, this sin can be damaging to all ages. And if you let it, this sin becomes a lifestyle sin. You know, we come down very hard on some lifestyle sins, but this one can become a sin that dictates your lifestyle. It is extremely destructive. It destroys churches. And it ruins lives. Yet it goes accepted, unchallenged. And church, we can't do that. We're going to be talking this morning about the sin of gossip. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's James talking. We think we can be getting so many things right, but if we don't watch this, the stuff we're getting right is worthless. We need to understand what we say can never be talked about as lesser than what we do. A spoken sin is just as destructive as a physical sin. Sin is sin and gossip is in scripture defined as sin. In the book of Romans, Paul reveals the sinful nature and the lawlessness of mankind Stating how God has poured out his wrath on those who have rejected his laws. And how God has given them over to their sinful natures. Then Paul gives us a list of the sins that have taken mankind over. Romans 1 verses 28 to 30. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, deceit, sorry, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to parents. We could do a message on each one of those. But let's just pause here for a moment and look at some of the company that gossip keeps. Gossip in this list is alongside envy, murder, evil, malice, and people who hate God. Gossip does not find itself in scripture on a different list where it's more acceptable. Here it is right in the middle of this lot. You know, it says a lot about a person, I hear. The company that person keeps. Would that be fair? You can tell a lot about somebody about the company they keep. Well, look at the company gossip keeps. Who gossip hangs out with? Envy, murder, evil, hating God. Paul talks about gossipers in the same breath that he talks about people who hate God and murder. You know the word gossip props up time and time again in proverbs, and all of it mentions all of the mentions of it show what a danger gossip can be. Proverbs 26:20 20 says, "Without wood, a fire goes out; without a gossip, a quarrel dies down." Proverbs 16:28 says, "A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends." So we see in Proverbs, it stirs up arguments, it damages friendships, it creates conflict. So we can be extremely clear from Scripture. Gossip is condemned by the Bible right alongside other sins we would never, ever dream of, of accepting in church. It calls it destructive. It points out it's danger. Church, we can't accept gossip it is sin someone said to me when I announced what this topic was that's not going to stop people gossiping because we just seem to accept that it happens in church where would we be if we did that with murder evil hating God church we can't accept it we need to draw a line and say, absolutely not. It must not be acceptable. And we must regard it like we regard someone who's threatening murder or say they hate God. Because it's in the same list. Which leads to a question, doesn't it? Okay, if it's a sin and it's bad, what is it? Because we don't want to do it. What is gossip? Well, the Hebrew word translated as gossip in the Old Testament we can define as one who reveals secrets, one who goes about as a talebearer, or scandalmonger. All of those words I think are so descriptive. <laughs> Great words. A gossiper is someone who has privileged information about people, and then proceeds to reveal that information to people who have no business knowing it. Now gossip is distinguished from something as simple as sharing information in two main ways. Number one is the intent. Gossipers often have the goal of building themselves up, making other people look bad or being seen as a repository of knowledge. Look at me, I know stuff. Number two the type of information shared. Gossipers speak of faults and failings of others, or reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge and without their approval. Even if no harm is meant, it's still gossip. Gossip is repeating information someone about someone that should not be repeated. Even, and let me emphasize that word, even if it's true. However, as often as the case with gossip, it's never been checked out whether it is true or not before it gets repeated. But sometimes we can use accuracy as an excuse for gossip. It's okay, it's true. I'm just telling the truth. No, no. That's still gossip, because you had no right to share it. What makes news gossip, even if it is true, is its repetition to someone who doesn't need to know it. It's weird that we can watch what we call the news nowadays, and so much of it is nothing but gossip. Gossip. The appeal of gossip is that people like to find out secrets. We do, don't we? We love being in the know. Especially if that secret is only shared with somebody. I'm, I'm only telling you this, Trevor, because I trust you with it. Well, Trevor feels good now because he has been told he's trustworthy. He can't wait to tell other people. <laughs> not really true (laughs) guess what I've been trusted with (laughs) additionally when a secret is shared it may make another person look bad and therefore improves the self image of the gossiper and the audience (sighs) you never guess (laughs) what Dave Shields did And I I thought he was such a nice guy. Feeling pretty good about myself right now. With gossip, we need to realize the audience is an active participant. When you listen to it, you become a co-conspirator listening to gossip even if it actually does go no further than you is participating in gossip you know many a friendship has been ruined over misunderstandings that start with gossip it stirs up anger bitterness and pain and i know that is never the mm, no rather that is rarely the intention But intention or not, it's very much often the result. I'd say rarely it's the intention to bring division. But there is a type of gossip that loves to bring division. It would be naive to assume otherwise. But we can't get on by just saying, well, my intent wasn't bad. To think somehow it gives us a free pass because it doesn't. When confronted, a gossip will deny it. They'll first say, well, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. Or they'll rationalize. Well, I didn't say it first. It came from so-and-so. Rather than just admit, I'm sorry, that was wrong. But listening to it and giving oxygen to the flame just encourages something to spread. Proverbs 18, verses 7 and 8 says, A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inward parts. See, you might feel like you're just passively observing, but when you receive it, it goes down into you and stays there. I've probably used this analogy before. In fact, I know I've used this analogy before. But gossip is like a steak wrapped in bacon. Oh boy, it tastes good. But it goes in you and it'll start clogging you up and stay with you. It might taste good but it is doing you no good whatsoever especially to your heart Proverbs seventeen four says an evildoer listens to wicked lips get that? listens and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue listening is taking part An evildoer listens. Now we must remember, why is gossip a sin? The why is important. Gossip is destructive. To the listener, to the sharer, but most of all to the victim or the object of it. Gossip burns lives down. James 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Consider what a great forest has set on fire by a small spark but the tongue is also a fire a world of evil amongst the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell James James really doesn't like it when people gossip you know a huge majestic forest that has been there for hundreds and hundreds of years All it takes is one small spark and it's gone. A badly chosen, ignorant word can set someone's entire life on fire. I've heard a wonderful definition of gossip and how we can know whether we're gossiping or not. When we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, we are probably gossiping. Now, as we look at what gossip is, we probably should cover, who is a gossip? Who is a gossip? And we must be very careful when we do this, not to give in to stereotypes. Because it's very easily done. The stereotype, I'm going to say up front, is that it's an older woman. Yes? That's the stereotype. But let me tell you, men are just as guilty, and people of all ages are just as guilty. We have this stereotype um, of, oh I can't come back to that. <laughs> but there is in scripture specific warning to widows. There is. I suspect this is more because of the circumstance widows find themselves in that can lend them to gossip and being in a position where it's more of a temptation than saying, watch out for widows. <laughs> We need to be very careful how we just... I feel like I'm on a tightrope right now. We need to be very careful. 1 Timothy 5, verses 11 to 13 says, This is talking about a very particular situation. And refuse to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. And so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they've learned to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. Now, you can use that to create a stereotype that's wrong. Paul is speaking of a very specific danger. These younger widows, by the way, younger widows in this case, not old widows, had more free time. Women find themselves talking to each other more than men do they do so they more likely to be found in situations where they will observe and hear things that could become gossip having more free time can lead to idleness and gossip and he uses the term busybody and suggests it's better to keep busy than to be a busybody but it can lead us to stereotypes. Have you ever heard the term, she's like an old fish wife? Oh, I'm on a up. That comes from when the men, the fishermen, were out at sea. They were gone for a long time. The women were by themselves. They met up with each other. They talked. And things spread. It's not because fishwives are somehow more gossipers than anybody else. They just found themselves in situations where it could spread more easily. Where the temptation was stronger. So i just got to say, widows, old and young, people who have more free time, we just need to realize that the temptation can be stronger. I think that's what Paul's warning us about. But let's not get stereotyped. We can't let that particular reference feed that because men and women, young and old, married and unmarried, engage in gossip. I believe Paul has been specifically highlighting a danger for certain people there. But I tell you, it's good for all of us in every stage of our lives to be aware of where the danger elements are for us. If we spend a lot of time in people's homes talking to each other, then just be aware the temptation is going to be stronger because you're put in front of it more. So, we've covered. Have I done okay on the tightrope there? I haven't fallen off. We've covered that the Bible condemns it as sin. We've looked at what it is. We've seen anyone can become a gossip. Which brings us to another question. What can we do about it? Gossip can damage lives. It can divide churches. I tell you, the amount of churches that have been split because of gossip. It can ruin people. Therefore, it cannot be ignored. It must be addressed. You know, in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17... Jesus explains how we should deal with sin within the church. If your brother sins, or sister sins, go and point out their fault between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. If they don't listen to you, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church... Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. It's a very specific order Jesus asked us to do things in. It's amazing how often we skip to number three without doing the first two. Well, that's how we deal with sin. That is therefore how we must deal with gossip. When a person gossips to you, first thing, speak to them on a one-to-one. They may be doing it unawares. Or it may be hidden behind the mask of genuine concern. Let's let's give a practical example so we can wrap our heads around this. Now I'm going to make up a couple that has never ever been to new life. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) I've tried to keep as far away from anybody's names as we can. Meet Jeremy and Daisy. Husband and wife. I think we might be safe with those names. Gossip can come cloaked in the guise of genuine concern. For example, I've heard Jeremy and Daisy are having problems. They might be about to split up. I'm really concerned. Sue, have you heard anything It can come in the guise of a prayer request. Kate, I'd, I'd like you to pray, please, for Jeremy and Daisy. I hear they're having problems. What kind of problem? Oh, well. In both of those cases, knowledge is shared without Jeremy and Daisy's permission. That's why we're very careful in our prayer request chain. It has to be Permissed? It has to have permission from the person who has its about. Otherwise, it should not be shared. It is shared without Jeremy and Davey's, Davey's, Daisy's permission. Jeremy and Davy will be another issue altogether. <laughs> it's gossip, even if it's true. Even if they are having problems. Now, if permission was given by Jeremy and Daisy to be shared for prayer, then that's different. But this, those first two, are spreading personal information. If you hear somebody do that, you have to respond appropriately to it. First thing you want to do is stop it right there and direct it back to the objects. So, for example, San you heard about Jeremy and Daisy having trouble? Sam's response should be no I haven't and I don't want to hear anymore you shouldn't be spreading this if you're concerned speak to Jeremy and Daisy simple as that now if this person is really concerned that's what they'll go and do if the motivation is gossip then hopefully that cuts it off there and then If it persists, then the person should be challenged. Challenge the person one-to-one. I hear you're still saying things about Jeremy and Daisy. That needs to stop. If that fails, you take somebody with you. If that fails, you take her to the church. I mean, have you heard Jeremy and Daisy having trouble? Did Jeremy tell you that? No? No? Then how do you know it's true? Yes? Then did he say, let people know? Did he ask for prayer? The point is to challenge the gossip and refuse to engage with the story. Too often we hear gossip and we go, well, I'm just not going to tell anybody that. We've not challenged it. We've got to direct it back and say, it has to stop. It can't just stop at me because that person will still spread it. We have to turn it back around. Challenge the gossiper. Refuse to engage the story and redirect that gossiper's concern to something productive instead. Before anybody talks about Jeremy, someone should speak with Jeremy to determine the facts, what assistance might be needed and whether it's appropriate to tell other people. And for the hearer, you mightn't repeat it. I get it. But you must be the brick wall through... It mustn't pass through. Now, there may be occasions where someone is genuinely concerned and goes to a pastor or a mature Christian in the church to get help and get an proper response to something that they've heard. In those cases, it might not be gossip. But it could very easily turn into it. Pastor, I'm concerned about Jeremy's marriage. I've heard some stuff. I fear that might be true. What should I do? Well, at that point, the pastor or the mature believer should say, well, first of all, don't tell anybody else. This goes no further. And then encourage them to talk to the concerned party. Look, if you're concerned, you need to go speak to Jeremy. If there isn't an adequate relationship with Jeremy, then maybe the pastor or mature Christian could take that on instead. But that's the key. If you're not willing to do something to help the situation, you shouldn't be talking about it. If you're not willing to talk to Jeremy face to face about it, you shouldn't be talking about other people, to other people's faces about it. Now, we also need to be very careful with something else. Helping. Because there's another term used alongside gossip that Paul used, and he used the term gossip. A busybody. Again, don't give into the stereotypes of what we think a busybody is. A busybody can be any gender, any age, any type of person. A busybody is a person who meddles in the affairs of others. Sometimes that meddling is under the guise of helping, but usually, meddling is the type of help that is unwelcome and uninvited. Busybodies are often people who are dissatisfied with the level of drama in their own lives, so love being involved in other people's drama. The Bible has strong words for busybodies. 1 Peter 4.15 warns us, make sure none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. Now, with the New King James, that reads as a busybody. It is noteworthy that Peter lists meddling right along with murder and theft. Look at the company it keeps. It is often very hard to recognize whether you are a busybody. So I'm going to give you some questions you can ask yourself that can help determine whether you are helping or meddling. Because, look, we're a community. We're meant to help each other. We're meant to look out for each other. So how do we know if we're crossing the line? Well, here's some questions to ask yourself. Number one, is this any of my business? Let's start there. Number two, am I actually qualified to involve myself in this? If you're speaking about a marriage to someone and you're not married, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Number three, and this one's a hard question. Is my true motivation to bring help or do I just want to feel needed? Number four, how much of my discussion about the situation is actually gossip? Number five, do I base my help on scripture or my own opinion? And here's the kicker, number six. Do I respond with anger when my advice is not accepted or found to be flawed? Because if we respond to anger with anger when somebody's not accepting the help we're giving, then it's more about us than them. The answers to those questions can help determine whether your involvement is in fact helping Or meddling. Meddling and gossip are intertwined. You know we don't often talk about gossip. Or challenge it. Or acknowledge that it really is there. But church we should. Because it is a sin that goes often unchallenged in churches. It's damaging to us it's damaging to the people we talk about i need to be very clear I'm saying this to everyone we cannot participate in gossip it is a sin in the same list as murder and hating god we cannot treat it lightly we have to challenge it We can't say, well, it's just, it's just how we are, you know. That person's always been like that. We've got to, could, we would not say that about any other sin. Imagine for a moment some of the things we say about people. Imagine if they were listening to you. Would you still say it? If the answer is no, then you need to say, well, it doesn't need saying at all. Now, a lot of this has been what we do when somebody gossips to you. But we need to be very careful we keep an eye on ourselves. That we don't become the gossip. We must watch what we say. Now, is that hard work? Of course it is. Of course it is. But we must watch ourselves. And I think this is the most important thing we can say to end on. What do we do if we found we've done it? If we found ourselves gossiping? If we find ourselves meddling? What if we fall fallen prey to this sin ourselves? We treat it like any other sin. So first thing we do is we guard ourselves against it every day. We put on the whole armour of God. But also, we must resist the temptation to do it. And I tell you, temptation to do it will come. Can guarantee it, especially this week. Temptation will come with any sin. And if you know you're prone to this sin, just like any other sin, guard your heart against it. If we we were counseling someone who was struggling with lust, we would tell them to avoid situations where they're going to find themselves struggling with it. If we were counseling someone who was struggling with gambling, we'd say, keep away from a casino. If you're struggling with gossip, keep away from situations where it might come to you. It's very important to know the areas in your life where you're weak. To know our own weaknesses. To be realistic with ourselves and to avoid the trap of sin. With every secret somebody tells you, or every secret you've accidentally overheard, there will always be the temptation to this sin. It can happen when you're at home. It can happen when you're at school. It can happen when you're at work. It can happen when you're in someone's house. It can happen when you've just gone around for a coffee and some situation kicks off between the couple you've gone for a coffee with and you're like, whoo If only people knew about that. It can keep on happening. We must resist that temptation. But also, we must remember, like every other sin, Jesus bore it at Calvary. Jesus, when he took my sin and your sin, took this one too upon himself. So remember, there is forgiveness. There is restoration. But before that, there must come, just like with everything else, confession and repentance. We must turn away from it. Listen, I'm not naive enough to think that we've never done it. Let's be honest with ourselves. But we must confess that to God. We must repent of it. And we must resist it. We must turn away from it. Like any other sin, if we hate that we've done it, that's the mark of repentance. Repentance. We must put right the things we've made wrong. I am so grateful that Jesus died for every sin, including this one. Can I encourage you to keep that at the foot of the cross every time you fail? It's not like we would do with anything else where so-and-so's gossiped, kick him out of the church. No, so-and-so's gossip, restore that person gently. Restore that person gently. I hope this will mark a change in all of us. Because we can't deny it's a sin. Therefore, it's something we have to deal with. It's my hope that when the temptation comes to all of us, which it will, We will stand stronger this time. That we will be brick walls through which gossip can't get through. Amen? Let's pray, church. Barbara, can you come back up? Is that okay? What I'm not going to do is do an altar call that says, if you've gossiped, please come to the front. because you'll be worried everyone's talking about you behind your back what I am going to say is if we have let's put it right with God now and let's move on from it so let's pray Father we are sorry for the times we have not guarded our tongues where Lord we've enjoyed sharing secrets where we've enjoyed exposing things and Lord, I ask that you forgive us. That, Lord, you'll forgive us, Lord, of the sin. But Lord, you'll help us through your spirit to stand stronger. That, Lord, this week won't be like last week. But, Lord, we will be ready when the onslaught comes. Help us, Lord, to resist temptation. And, Lord, deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.